It's awesome, awesome. We have a lot of good, fun stuff happening. I'm team flannel today, so flannel's representing. Who's the team flannel? There you go, that's right. Who's team grout fit? Anyone? <laughs> I thought about that, you know, might as well just one of these days get up here in a grout fit. Comfy, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, if I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Michael, and I work at Blackhawk. I'm on the CAM team, and uh, as you can read, we're continuing our series that we've been going through called This is the Gospel. Last week, we hit the pause button and uh, moved towards an important subject, uh, loneliness. And so if you, wanna, if you weren't here and you want to listen to that discussion, you can just kind of search CAM, Blackhawk CAM, where you can find podcasts, YouTube. Uh, the weekend after, we always post everything just to make it available to people. So it's there. But this week, we're talking about the gospel. We're continuing our series. And we're actually going to dive pretty deep tonight. So this is one of those days where we're, uh, we're going to be talking about a topic that can get pretty deep, at points maybe a little bit heavy and a little bit heady, um, but I think it's a really, really great conversation that we're going to have about, okay, how, like, what if I have questions? What if I have doubts? Like, how do I believe when it's so hard to believe? How do I believe the gospel when I have so many things in my life that say, I don't know about that or this certain aspect of faith? So we're going to go there today. But before we jump in the deep end, I want to start with something a little bit lighter. And it'll kind of work its way to there. But I want to talk about quirks. Quirks. Like, I'm a kind of a quirky person. You know, when I say the word quirk, you know, you all have quirks. Like, it's those weird kind of things about you that that you know probably not a lot of people do. I uh, texted our leaders, we have a lot of awesome leaders, and I said, hey, can you share with me some of your quirks? So this is gonna be anonymous, but we have, I don't have it up there, we, I have it right here. We have some quirks that our leaders have. These are people sitting next to you. So just know that, okay? One leader said, I do not use drive-throughs. If I can order inside, I will, not, I will just not get food. Oh, sorry, if I cannot order inside, I will just not get food, even if that means skipping a meal. Pretty bold, fun quirk. Next one, I love going to get ice cream in the winter, even in the tundra winters that we have here. Okay, respect. Next one, I, turn, I always turn the radio volume in my car to 10 every time I park or stop the car, no matter how soft or loud it gets while driving. That's respect. Okay, I always turn it all the way down. That's, but 10 is a great number. <coughs> Next one, I set my car clock four minutes fast, just because. Fast and the furious, people. There you go. <coughs> Next one, <laughs> I don't like milk in my cereal. Okay, okay, there you go. Next one, I, I sneeze every time I eat breakfast. <laughs> that might be a medical condition. I don't know. Maybe you have allergies. Who knows? Okay, the next one. We have two more. These are good, though. Sometimes I eat too many carrots that the bottom of my feet turn orange. <laughs> what? Oh, my gosh. That's so... Okay, this is the last quirk, leader quirk. I like to crack people's toes. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot. I'm not going to unpack that. I'm going to let my toes be my toes, and no one's going to crack them. Okay. So <clears throat> I wanted to talk about quirks because they're funny. You all have them. You all have them. You're thinking about your quirks right now. But I wanted to talk about it because I have a quirk. Okay. So this is my quirk, and it has to do with a sandwich. Fun fact, this is from Melio's, and it's called The Godfather, and I chose it because I call Todd, our tech guy, Todd Father. Thank you, Todd Father, for all the tech stuff that you do. 
He wants to kill me right now. Okay, <clears throat> so this is my quirk. This is on an honest quirk of mine. Okay, this happened, I think, the first time I ate a sandwich. I'm not going to eat it here because it's dry and it'll take forever before I can talk again. But my quirk is I will get a sandwich, and when it's cut in half, I will just eat the first half, right? I'm like, oh, my gosh, I love sandwiches. I'm eating this. This is so great. And then without even knowing it, without even knowing it, I start to pick apart my sandwich. <laughs> I, like, pick it apart. I had a sandwich with, uh, with a leader last week. It was a chicken sandwich. We were talking halfway through. He's like, Michael, why are you picking your sandwich apart? I'm like, oh, it's my cork. Like, I start to, like, pick it apart. I'm like, I want to eat this tomato just by itself. It's so weird. I'm like, cheese, I love cheese. I want to eat this cheese by itself. It's the weirdest thing. I never know that I'm doing it, but it's my quirk. I eat one sandwich, one half whole, and then I just like, I, I pull it apart, the other one. It's weird. It's a weird thing that I do. I don't know why I do it, but I'll probably do it until the day I die. But here's, here's a deal, and this is true. So I was thinking about the topic today. And I was thinking about what we're going to talk about today, and I thought, okay, this is kind of a lot like my quirk. <laughs> because we're talking about deconstruction. <laughs> we're talking about deconstruction. And deconstruction is a word that has become pretty popular nowadays, especially with Christians in the West. And Christ uh, deconstruction is taking apart. You're dismantling something. Something that's whole, you're taking apart. There it is, the dismantling of anything that has been constructed in like literal construction work that's going into a house, totally gutting the house and remodeling it, putting different walls in different places. You deconstruct it and then you reconstruct. I like to play with Legos when I was younger. The same kind of thing. You like build a Lego thing and then you deconstruct it. You dismantle it. You pull it apart. Deconstruction. And when it comes to Christianity, deconstruction it's taking different things about Christianity, the Bible, Jesus, and then dismantling it piece by piece and saying, like, okay, what does this mean? What does this mean? I have questions here. I want to investigate this. That's deconstruction. Here's a, sur here's a, um, uh, a survey that talked about deconstruction. It's a recent survey. It said that nearly 60% of people raised in Christian churches deconstruct their faith following high school. Nearly 60%. If everyone here grew up in a Christian church, kind of going to church, that means six out of every 10 people in this room, 60% of the people in this room are in some type of deconstruction. We're in this deconstruction phase, pulling apart different things. And when I was eating my sandwich and I was thinking about deconstruction, I thought, okay, honestly, it's kind of a lot like my life. I grew up in a family. We went to church. It was kind of loosely Christian, but we went to, I went to uh, children's ministry, youth group. And in a very real way, I was given this, this set of ideals around my faith. It was presented to me, and I'm like, okay, this is great. It's like a sandwich. Like, I love, I love sandwiches. I'm going to eat this sandwich. Todd, this might be yours afterwards, but I've been touching it a lot and spitting on it. But I, this is like my faith that was given to me from my parents. And then something happens. 
to a lot of us, and according to the survey that we just read, something happens when a lot of people get to the college age. Now, it doesn't have to happen when you're in the college age, and it doesn't have to happen to everyone, 60%, if we're going by that survey, but something happens, that faith that we were handed, that we believed, we start to just, oh, pull it apart. Kind of like maybe you, you moved from a different city and you're going to UW-Madison or Madison College or Edgewood and you might hear a professor say something and you're like, wait a second, that's not what my Sunday school teacher said or that's not what I read in the Bible. Like, what? And, but, but that sounds like a pretty convincing argument. Like, what's going on here? And you start to look at that argument that they talked about and you start to deconstruct it. You start to look at it. Is this really a tomato? How do I know that? Maybe you start a new job and maybe you're not working in your college age but you're around people and they're having different conversations and they're talking about faith and and they're saying different things that are opposed to what you grew up knowing you start to slowly deconstruct you see in the college age no matter where you're at a lot of times deconstruction happens right now we kind of pull the sandwich apart we dismantle it we look at these different questions and we say do i really believe this and it's not necessarily a bad thing because the reality is we want to make sure that what's inside is actually good. It's actually a good thing. If we're going to believe in it, we want to believe with our full selves. So deconstruction isn't necessarily a bad thing, and I'm going to talk more about that. But the reality is deconstruction can happen to a lot of us. No matter if we think we're like, ah, like I just became a Christian, or like, man, I think like I am just like, like, every, like I am like hitting the mark. Deconstruction can happen to a lot of us. And, and I want to spend some time talking about a hero of the New Testament. And we'll talk about what his journey is, but I want to talk about the beginning of his journey. We're going to read kind of a lot of scripture. I want to talk about John the Baptist. And I want to start talking about John the Baptist where Mark starts, the gospel, the good news according to Mark. Now, a lot of theologians and scholars will say that Mark could have been like the first New Testament book written. And this is how Mark starts the book. He says this, In the beginning of the good news, which means the gospel, about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So hundreds of years before John the Baptist was born, there the prophet Isaiah is prophesying, saying there's just going to be this dude, he's going to be super holy, and he's going to make way, make the way for Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah. Like, okay, before this guy even breathed, like, he's a holy guy. Like, there's, there's a lot of stuff going for him. Mark goes on. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's a pretty big guy right there, John the Baptist, okay? So he would literally teach about forgiveness and repentance and baptism, uh, hundreds and thousands, like the whole countryside would listen to him. 
like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, he was like the top, really the top like influencer when it came to the good news of God. He was the top influencer. People would, would come and hear his message. And not only that, like the dude wore camel's hair. I don't know what that really means, but it doesn't sound comfortable because camel's hair looks pretty scratchy. But he wore camel's hair. He ate locusts and wild honey. Have you heard of bread, John? Just have a loaf of bread. Have a sandwich. But no, he was all, he was like sold out for God. So Mark is painting this picture of this guy who sold out for God. And then he continues. He says, at the time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized, uh, at that time, sorry, Jesus came from Na uh, Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out uh, of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Okay, man. Right here, it says that John baptizes Jesus. Like what? <laughs> John literally baptizes God. And then what happens? Heaven tears open. Can you imagine like heaven tearing open right now? What is it? I don't even know what that means. But he saw heaven tear open. He saw the spirit of God descend on Jesus like a dove. And he literally audibly heard God's voice speak like, are you kidding me? He was the man. Like, if John was living today, everyone would want to go to John's church, right? Like, Cam, no, we're going to John's church. We're going to listen to John's podcast. We're going to follow John's YouTube channel. We're going to follow John because John is the man. Like, talk about holy. Like, John is it. If John's faith was like a sandwich, we'd all want that sandwich. Like, I'd want to eat that sandwich. Like, that, like John, like his faith, who he was, that's pretty big. He's man. But then something happened. He got thrown in jail. And jails back then were pretty, pr jail in general is pretty rough. But back then it was really rough. You're chained. People have to give you food. You're just there. He was there for months and months. And in that season, something started happening to John. Let's read what the Gospel of Matthew says about what happened. The Gospel of Matthew picks up and says, when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Okay, what? <laughs> Hold up, John. Serious, honestly, seriously, are we reading that right? Did John really ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come or should I expect someone else? Like, really? This is the guy who was prophesied about a hundred years before he came. This is the guy who wore camel's ha like hair. He ate all the stuff that I would not want to eat. He was a holy guy. He was the one that baptized Jesus. John was the one that saw heaven literally rip open. The spirit of God descend on him like a dove. He audibly heard God's voice. And then he, did he really say this? Are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? What? What? Seriously, John? Are you serious? John's not pulling apart a sandwich. John is tearing apart the sandwich right now. His entire life was centered on who Jesus is, but then he entered into a season of deconstruction, and he started asking questions 
around who Jesus is. Have you ever found yourself in a season of deconstruction? Have you ever found yourself really asking questions about, really? Really, Jesus? You existed? Really? Like, I'm supposed to believe that the Bible says this? What? Have you? When I was 20, um, when I was in college, I remember, um, like, I, I had this faith kind of given to me, I, and I'm like, man, this is mine. I love this sandwich. I love this faith. I was in class, and then some of the things that I really believed were being challenged by my professor. And I remember turning to someone aside. I went to a Christian college and being like, are you kidding me? Like, what is he talking about? They're like, no, I think he's right. I'm like, what? Like, no way. Different ideas. And, and for my context, it happened a lot around like kind of science and science's interaction with faith. I had a lot of deep questions that were coming out uh, through different classes that I was taking, through different like uh, peers that I would talk to, different ideas that I have were, were challenged, and it threw me into deconstruction. I started to ask questions like, okay, can faith in science exist? Okay, like, can I believe that Jesus was historical and he, and he actually came? Can I believe in a resurrection? Are you kidding me? Like, faith, faith in science like, they're saying it doesn't mix, but right now I'm here. Like, I grew up thinking that it did. Like, what's going on? And I remember feeling, like, rattled inside, right? I felt lonely. I felt unsettled in all of these things. I started to pull apart the sandwich. And the reality is a lot of us can experience deconstruction in a lot of different ways. Maybe it's around different issues of faith and their relationship with science, but it, it can be a lot of different things. One of the top ones, if God is a loving God, why is there so much suffering? Or Jesus makes some pretty exclusive claims. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What about other religions, Jesus? Like, what? Are you serious? Those are pretty exclusive. And deconstruction can happen in a lot of different ways. It can happen kind of in these ideological ways, but it can also happen in experiential ways. Like, man, Jesus, I've been praying and praying and praying, but I still feel like you're not answering. What's going on? Or I've been navigating loneliness and anxiety and depression and, and asking for help. I know you're capable, but you're not. What does that mean? Deconstruction can come in a lot of different forms, and I want to just say that if you're there in any way, if something that I'm saying, you're like, yep, that's me. Or there's ways that I'm kind of deconstructing, I'm pulling apart the sandwich in different ways. I just want to pause and say, hey, you're not alone. You're not alone in your questions. You're not alone in any of this. A lot of the leaders here, they have been through deconstruction in different ways. I have been through it in all the ways that I just talked about. I've been there. There's areas that I'm still deconstructing in, in my faith. And I'm a pastor. Like, we all can go through it. Because the truth is, you're not alone in deconstruction, even though deconstruction can make you feel alone. I want to say that again. You're not alone in deconstruction, even though deconstruction can make you feel alone. And I actually want to say that deconstruction can be a really good thing. It means that you're taking your faith seriously. You're asking questions because you want to make sure that the sandwich is good. What you believe is legitimate. Now, I don't know if you've heard of the faith scale before. 
probably, if you've done a black hockey metaphor, the faith skill, here's the faith skill. I want to talk about the faith skill for a second. And I want to camp here for a little bit. And this is kind of like the heady part because this is, this is kind of like a, a really helpful tool for me. So the faith scale, I'll use this right here. The faith scale, this is about having faith in Jesus, okay? So <clears throat> 0%, like none of us are at 0% and none of us are at 100% on the faith scale. 0% means that like, Jesus never existed, like, I don't believe in Jesus, he's not God, there's, I hundred, like, there's zero percent chance, like, I mean, come on, like, no one can prove that, like, there's literally, you can't, pr no one can prove that, like, that's zero percent, and a hundred percent means that you've actually physically seen Jesus, like, Thomas, in the Bible, he was the doubting guy, he's like, I'll believe it when I see it, and then Jesus is like, here I am, and he touched Jesus, he's like, okay, I believe you're God, that's a hundred percent, we, until I can, we can touch Jesus, we are not at 100%. That's the faith scale. So we are, lie between 99% and 1% typically. And that scale is known as doubt. We're in doubt right there. All of us are in doubt because we're not at zero and we're not at 100%. Now, 50% is kind of like the, the deal breaker. Like if you're at 49%, and, and what I mean by this is reason also. Reason is what helps us move back and forth on the scale. Using reason, if I'm like, okay, I hear a lot of arguments about who Jesus is, I'm at a 49%. Not like more, uh, more than, or like less of me believes in Jesus, so ah, not really there. But once you kick to like 51%, you're investigating, you're asking questions, you're grabbing hold of different reason. You're like, more of me than not believes. Okay. What does it look like to follow Jesus? And now if you've made the decision to follow Jesus, most of us are probably maybe like 70%, 80%. I kind of oscillate between 70% and 85%. You know, you can't be super sure, but like I've done a lot of research. Like I've, I've kind of like studied a lot. And the remaining, let's say 15%, that's what's called the faith gap. The faith gap. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That's the faith gap right there. We can go back to the faith scale. Now, faith, that gap, the Bible also says a little bit after that, that you cannot, like, it's impossible to please God without faith. God is saying faith is a good thing. That faith gap is reason gone courageous. I can't, I don't have everything to fully, fully, fully tangibly know, but I'm going to make my reason go courageous. Like, that's the faith gap. Faith is essential. Now, let's talk about deconstruction, okay? So that's faith in Jesus. Let's say that you're at like a 60% on a certain topic with faith and its intersection with science. But then you go to a classroom or you talk to a friend or something like in your own research kind of challenges something that you believe and you dip to a 20%, right? Reason goes back a little bit. That's deconstruction. Deconstruction unchecked can be dangerous because deconstruction unchecked can lead to death. It can lead to disbelief. But when you find yourself in deconstruction, we have an invitation to move towards reconstruction. We can reconstruct what we believe. We can reconstruct the sandwich. And often we end up in a place that was stronger than before. Here's an example. Deconstruction paired with reconstruction. It can be healthy. When I first became a Christian, someone gave me a Bible. 
I opened the Bible. I read it. I had literally no clue what the book was, but I knew it was kind of holy. It talked about God and Jesus. Old Testament, what does that mean? New Testament, I don't know. I would flip through pages. I remember someone saying Psalm 23 is good. I looked at it. Here's what I read, Psalm 23. It said, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. And then it goes on, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. What? <laughs> I don't know about you when you first like started reading scripture. When I was younger, I'm like, okay, so I don't want to eat a sandwich in front of people who hate me. And I don't want any oil on my head. That's weird. Like I had some legitimate questions. My thought of the Bible, I'm like, okay, like I think the Bible... 70% agree that it's like the word of God and I can understand it. It went down to a 20%. I found myself in deconstruction because I didn't want no oil on my head and I didn't know what it meant. So then I started talking with people. I joined a Friday morning Bible study when I was in high school and I would talk about these questions and would just really like I'd go back and forth with different friends and leaders. And I learned a lot in these questions. I learned that this is actually poetry. And not poetry like we know poetry, but ancient Hebrew poetry. And then I learned that one-third of the Bible is ancient Hebrew poetry. I was approaching the Bible as you need to be informational, historical, rational. But the Bible was written to go deeper than that in different parts. It wanted to get at deeper truths that you can only get at through something beautiful like poetry. I was reconstructed to know that the Bible is not just informational, but it's beautiful. It's so much bigger than I thought. And that happened when I reached a point of deconstruction and thought, there's got to be something more. i got to ask questions. i got to bring my head to this. i got to talk to people. I don't want to deconstruct in an echo chamber, but with community. And I learned. And then I was at a stronger place than I was before. Deconstruction can be a really, really healthy thing when... It's paired with reconstruction. That's the important part. You've got to have both. And reconstruction takes courage. It takes moving towards community. But here's the deal. Often when I find myself deconstructing, if I'm honest with myself, I can think, what does God think about this? Right? I'm pulling apart my faith sandwich. I'm, I, I'm like asking different questions. Does Jesus really want me to do this? I'm, I'm kind of putting him on trial in a way, right? Have you ever felt like that before? When you're, maybe you never ask these questions or you're open to other people, but you have these questions and you're like, what does God think? Does he think less of me if I'm honest with these things, these doubts that I have? Let's read on. This is what happens about John. Again, when John was in prison, he heard about the deeds of the Messiah. He sent his disciples to him and asked, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Now listen to this part. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is really important, and I, we bolded it in the next slide. 
what's Jesus' response to John's deconstruction, his questions about who Jesus is. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. What? Are you kidding me? He's questioning who you are, Jesus. He's at the brink of not believing, and he's like, he is a great man. What? Here's the deal. Jesus is truth. He's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. Truth wants to be found. Truth doesn't want to hide. Jesus invites questions about him because when people really want to know the true him, he'll answer every question. He'll meet you there. And John was at a place where he's like, man, I've been deconstructing. I've been in this prison cell. I've been in this season. I've been around these people. Like, I knew that you were who you said you were, but now I'm questioning everything. Jesus, who are you? What does Jesus do? He not only gives him information to reconstruct, tell him what I've seen, tell him what you've seen. I am who he knows I am, but I love him. I love you, John. Ask your questions because I want to partner with you in reconstructing on who I am. That's big. Jesus didn't love John less. Jesus didn't think less of John, but he embraced him. And I wanted to have this conversation about deconstruction with all of you because here's the deal. No matter where you're at, if you're in school, if you're working, if you're at an internship, if you're somewhere in between, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of information being thrown at you. That's the truth. There's a lot of things that will challenge what we believe, and often we can have different responses to that, but the response that I think is healthy that Jesus is inviting us is to have honest questions, to bring our full selves, to not feel that we have to come to community or different places believing uh, in one thing and, and really showing a different facade, but bring our full selves. God, I have a question about this. I was raised to believe this, but now I'm I, I, I'm wrestling. What do I do? Jesus won't think less of you. He wants to embrace you. And he wants to be revealed. And maybe you're sitting here, and, and I'm about to close, and you're thinking like, okay, I'm actually the 40%. <laughs> like, I hear people talk about deconstruction. I'm listening to you, and like, ah, I'm actually pretty solid. That's great. You don't have to go through a season of deconstruction. But one, if you do, it's good to know. It's good to know that it's Okay. Two, people might need to go to you when they're deconstructing. They might need someone solid who might have an answer or at least be with them. And three, UW-Madison alone has 50,000 students for the first time ever. 50,000 people have made their decision on who the truth is. It's good to be a person where people can come to and ask deep questions and know it's safe. It's good to know that people, we're not at zero. No one's at zero. To create a safe place for people to deconstruct. Now, before I close, I just, I'm going to throw a couple things up here. When you're deconstructing, here's some things that you can do. You can join a community group or a Bible study. You can go to our website. You can talk to one of us. Come to Fall Retreat. Okay, so stop here. Now, we're, we're saying come to Fall Retreat a lot. It's, we literally, if two people come to Fall Retreat, I'm excited because we're going to have a blast. But we're talking about trusting in God at Fall Retreat. We're going to do a deep dive in what does it look like in different ways to take a step towards trusting God. So if you have any questions around that, it's going to be a safe place in community. 
to, to navigate that. Now the next thing, here's some resources. For me, BioLogos is huge. That's a bunch of scientists, doctors, philosophers, top of their field, talking about their, the intersection with uh, different things that might seem hostile, but really isn't in faith. So I go to BioLogos all the time. Our old senior pastor, Chris Dolson's on the board. BioLogos is like the faith and science place to go for a Christian for questions. Courses at Blackhawk, uh, we have so many different courses that do a deep dive into so many different like big topics that you might be wrestling with that I find myself wrestling with. Blackhawk Church, we're doing a sermon series on this exact thing, deconstruction and reconstruction in January. So whether you're here or not, you can find it on podcast. But a lot of the things that I listed out are different sermon topics that we're going to be going through. Um, and the last, the Bible Project. Uh, one of our old teaching pastors at Blackhawk, Tim Mackey, he created the Bible Project, and that does a deep dive in a lot of different biblical context things that can help us grow in our faith. So... Basically, I just want to be real with you. It can be hard. We can have a lot of questions. We can wrestle with a lot of things. That's good when we pair it with a posture of reconstruction and know that you don't have to reconstruct or deconstruct alone. That there are people in this community that care about you and want to point you towards Jesus, who is the way, is the truth and is the life. So let's pray. So Jesus, man, you just went, we just went towards it today. I know that in my walk with you, I'll find myself asking different questions. I'll find myself saying, like, are you really who you say you are, Jesus? Or how can I believe this? And I remember when I heard for the first time that it's okay to ask questions, that Jesus won't leave me, that he's with me, and that it's good. It means I'm taking my faith seriously. I felt freedom. I felt freedom to not be ashamed or embarrassed to know you more, God. So I just pray that no matter where we're at, when we're talking about the gospel and how do we know it can be true, that we know that in any area of our life that we can bring our full self. And at the times where we might have questions, that's okay. And if we find ourselves not asking questions, that's okay. But we want to be a community that is honest and real with these things because we really want to know you, God. So be with us wherever we're at. And it's your name we pray. Amen.